Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, presented by Manscaped and part of the Fan Sided Network. This is episode 163, so we are officially, I guess technically, on season two. We've had a full 162 of slate of games, a slate of podcasts. Well, technically more, because we've had a couple that have been, uh, you know, surrendered as tribute to the podcast gods and technology. But oh, yeah. officially... Officially 163 and uh, on season two, I guess, if, if that's the way you, you, you want to look at it. Uh, but I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nationals Ace. I am joined by both co-hosts once again. Amanda, you can follow her on Twitter at AWhite7877. And Ryan, you can follow him on Twitter at WeAreAllShack. And of course, follow the show at Half Street High Heat. But uh, what's going on, guys? What's up? What's up? I missed the last episode. Wasn't feeling great. Still not feeling 100%, but I don't want to miss another episode. There's lots of interesting playoff baseball to talk about. Got a couple, like, big things that I don't think I expected it to drop now. I mean, we, we have Nats news to talk about. Obviously, that's going to – well, we'll talk about that anytime that comes up. But we have, like, some kind of major news that, that happened over the weekend that I didn't expect to drop, at least not before the CBA. Uh, but – before we get to all that, Ryan, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing well. Um, I am not you too, like Amanda is right now. Um, but <laughs> stole my doing... joke, but I love it. Totally stole your joke. It was a good one. It took me a second. I was like, "What the hell is you?" Oh, I see what he did. Oh, I love you too, Amanda. Amanda has vertigo for for those that. Yes, since this makes no sense to any of the rest of you, I have never had vertigo before, and I zero stars would not recommend. Not enjoying it at all. I was going to make uh, you're living in the upside down type reference or something, but then I realized I, I know little to nothing about vertigo. So I wasn't yeah. even sure if that was right. <laughs> My husband keeps referring to me as his pineapple upside down cake. And I'm like, I swear to God, I'm going to smack it, you. It's actually pretty cute. <laughs> I know it is kind of cute, but it's, I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. 
he's uh, he's it was funny actually just a little while ago I was watching the game before we started recording and when Altuve committed that error and allowed the second run to score I let out some sort of sound and Scott was upstairs and was like are you okay I was like yeah I'm fine <laughs> fine he's like I thought you fell down I was like no that was a baseball reaction sorry nope couldn't even <laughs> get up <laughs> no impossible I'm to fall down when you can't get up <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Oh, but I did enjoy the Altuve error because I wish him all the bad vibes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm still rooting for Dodgers Astros, even though that I run, that runs the risk of the Astros winning, which I don't want to happen. I'm still rooting for Dodger. Do, I think they would win Dodgers. Dodgers. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know if the Dodgers are going to get there, but I that's the worst possible scenario for me would be the Dodgers-Astros in the World Series because that means one of them has to win. Well, and Dodgers you can root for back Max and Trey. No, Dodgers winning back-to-back is not an acceptable scenario for me. And uh, the Astros winning is also maybe the only thing less acceptable to me. I mean, let's Dodgers be real. Is there back. an acceptable outcome remaining? No, but if there has <laughs> to be, I hate to even say this because Ryan is – trolling the hell out of everyone with his red Sox shack crap right now but uh, it's not a troll um, I think he does I it every to, year i know i know it i'm is- literally at the game right now what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> i guess if i have to pick i would want the red Sox to win but i hate even having to make that choice. i mean they've they've won more than the dodgers like that's what i don't understand everyone's like oh the dodgers like won that they, they can't win for the stupid braves it makes no sense how are that world- fans rooting for the braves are you serious I can't. It's, it's just, I mean, we've talked about this a ton, but this is just, this is new. Like this is a level that I don't think even Ryan, who's probably the most well-versed on nationals fans and their reactions of the three of us. I don't think anyone expected this, that there would be Nats fans rooting for the Braves. No. In what world? And that's why this fan base just doesn't get it. They, they like, if we have to explain why rooting for the Braves is wrong. You just don't get it. And there were a the few problem. nice Braves fans that rooted for the Nats. And I thought they were nuts when the Nats were in. Right. That I, was just I, I would like, have I mean, no problem. If any NLE opponent saying I would rather, you know, some evil acts or murderer win a world series than the Nats. And I'd be like, I respect <laughs> wow. it. You took that to another level. I was trying <laughs> to, I, I almost murder. said something way worse. So, <laughs> you know, that was a little pain. But yeah, I cannot root for the Braves. I don't care what, I don't know. I can't do it. And I don't want the, I don't know. I, I guess if I have to pick my preferred outcome at this point, it would be Dodgers, Red Sox and the Red Sox win, but I don't like any of these teams. And if I could find some way for them to all lose, that would be, that would be better. I mean, I'm fine with that too, because that's still a world series rematch. I mean, I want Dodgers Astros because every single game of that series would be, I mean, you like the tension would be palpable. It would be, it would be fun from that perspective, but right. then one of them has to win. And I don't want that. It would also be really good for baseball. Like yeah. a Dodgers Astros rematch would be phenomenal for baseball and not that Rob Manfred deserves that, you know, luck of not the draw, but just that, that fate playing out, Yeah, but it would be good for baseball. And I care about baseball. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I care it, about baseball too, but not enough to wish for a Dodgers Astros World Series. Oh, but like we talked about, there's not really an ideal outcome regardless. No. No. But there's you know, not. you know, um, back to like our show. 
you know what the the best part about like running a podcast or just like being in a position of power in position of power in general what uh you get to use your power uh for nepotism and just hire who you want which is what Davey martinez did in hiring the new hitting coach Mm, I like that. That was a good transition. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you you guys were a little bit delayed on the on the what? So I, I felt like it could have been better, but we'll work on it for the next time. I have what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Nats found a new hitting coach. Didn't take very long after uh, Kevin Long jettisoned to Philly. They hired uh, is it Darnell? Darnell? Darnell Coles. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I. I wasn't mispronouncing his name, but he was the former Diamondbacks hitting coach. Was he with them last year or the year prior? He was he was with them in 19 and 20. Those Diamondback teams were rough. <laughs> um, so Although, it's, was it the 19 team that wasn't too bad? Yeah, they had um that was uh Ketel Marte's uh breakout season. Right. But oh. obviously 20 wasn't inspiring. But again, we, we talk about it as if 20 helps your argument, use it. If not, throw it out. So <laughs> exactly. in this case, we will we will ignore it. It seems like the the Nationals offensive deficiencies, whether it be runners in scoring position or launch angle or whatever metric you want to use, are all of Darnell Cole's deficiencies, too, as a hitting coach, at least based on his experience. But Ryan, I, I'm sure you you have the breakdown of what's going on. So enlighten us on the Nats new hitting coach. Yeah, so Darnell Cole spent the last two years with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Ketel Marte did have his breakout season under Coles. It's hard to figure out who, well, like, it's sorry, let me rephrase that. It's hard to rate him as a hitting coach because of those teams were so bad. You have to go back a little bit when he was with Milwaukee from 2014 to 2018. Now, the Brewers were were rebuilding from 2014 to 2015. They got to the second gear in 16 through 18. In that time, they did see Christian Yelich, you know, turn into that MVP type player. There were other couple of noble players in the Brewers who had breakouts amongst him. Overall, though, what ultimately led to him resigning was the team's issues with situational hitting. Um, from 2014 to 2018, the Brewers ranked 25th in average overall, 21st in OPS with runners in scoring position, led majors in Ks with runners in scoring position, set all-time MLB record for strikeouts in consecutive seasons in 16 and 17. Um, but 2018 was the best Brewers offense he had. They ranked 7th in the NL in runs and 4th NL in OPS. So there's a lot of inconsistencies there. It's kind of hard to judge him, like I said, because – probably six of the last like eight or nine years when he's been a coach, those teams have been rebuilding and he's coming to a rebuilding team. Now um, he does have a big emphasis on analytics, which is something the Nats do not exactly put a big emphasis on. So that I did like Kevin Long's entire approach is launch angle. And if you guys saw the tweets and stats today, the four best teams with launch angle are the final four teams left, and the Nats were dead last in that last year. So in Cole's press conference today, he talked a lot about how he wants the Nats' swing rates, contact rates, and chase rates to line up so that they're hitting the right pitches. He talked about how the Nats were constantly chasing bad pitches, so that's a good start. Um, he said that there's a lot more individual hitters on this team that can read all, reach a lot of different pitches, so there's going to be different approaches. 
you know, don't really think we have that with Kevin Long. And also another interesting that he talked about um, is that he wants to expand the coaching staff so coaches aren't so worn thin, so more coaches can work with more individual players and more individual position groups or other type of statistical categories that guys will be better at coaching, which is interesting. And he said no one should touch Juan Soto's swing whatsoever. But yeah, overall, Cole doesn't have the best reputation amongst hitting coaches in the league, but Davey emphasizes his support and the importance of being familiar with your coaching staff. And also at the same time, the Nats are rebuilding for the next two years. So having a guy who's used to rebuilding, who can work with young guys and is used to working with young guys might have its positives. So that's a good takeaway and a very long answer to who the new Nats hitting coach is. No, I appreciate it. That was good for anybody who didn't have the opportunity to actually watch the, it was about 30 minutes, the interview, because it's just a zoom with him today, but yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know what the right word is ambivalent, I guess, about this hire. As you mentioned, Ryan, he doesn't exactly have star power among coaches in major league baseball. I mean, he does have, when you look at his record, he has some things that look really good and some things that look really bad and like stats in any situation, you can cherry pick the ones that support your preferred narrative, but it just seems like a real mixed bag to me. So I'm not really sure what to expect, but obviously the big, most obvious thing that, that we saw last season was the runners and scoring position issues is particularly bases loaded hitting, which, you know, is just something everybody notices because it's so glaring and it was just dreadful. So I, it's kind of a nowhere to go, but up situation, I think in a lot of ways, although a lot of those young guys were, were hitting pretty well, you know, going into the end of the season offense really wasn't the problem. So I'm hopeful, but I'd say guarded optimism on this hire. What I have a problem with most of all, and maybe he turns out to be a great hitting coach and this is all a moot point, And maybe, you know, I'm what's the expression eating crow or whatever. Is that the right expression? It is. Okay. All right. I'm good. Um, but my, my biggest issue with this is they didn't waste any time. And it's not like he was the hot candidate on the streets where everyone's going to be vying after his services. Like they wasted no time, which makes me believe there wasn't really anyone else ever considered for the job. And this was a Davy mm-hmm. appointment. And maybe they have a history in, you know, Davey's a personal guy and like probably leans heavily on the relationships and and has cultivated great relationships that that's not my problem again it's I use the word nepotism to kind of just be facetious or whatever but that's what it feels like it feels like Davey just kind of hired his friend and his friend has experience but is it the right experience like Ryan said he's had experience with rebuilding teams but how much success has he really had with those teams not a ton if he's having to resign and he's not being brought back on non-competitive teams or he's being let go right before a team gets competitive. Like it's just, it's not the most, uh, you know, optimistic sign for me Mm -hmm. personally. And this is nothing against him as a coach or a person or whatever. It's just kind of the uh, underlying factors regarding the hire. Like it, it was just very quick. Like, you, you don't know what other um, openings are going to be uh, available in baseball as far as like managers being let go. And I say that because when the managers let go, usually the it's open season on the whole staff as well. So maybe there's a hitting coach uh, on 
you know, a team somewhere that's highly respected, similar to how Mike Maddox was uh, the pitching coach for us. And as soon as Dusty was let go, Mike Maddox got scooped up right away. Like that, that could have happened, you know, reverse roles with the Nats in their search for a hitting coach. So the fact that they didn't even wait just tells me it was all Davey. He didn't really want to stop and think like he was just kind of hiring his friend. That that's big, a big red flag for me. I don't know how you guys feel on it. I think it's an excellent point. I mean, it really kind of feels like they didn't consider anyone else and that's not always the best feeling. You know, you got the whole, wow, Kevin Long's gone. And then there was immediate rumors about Coles. And then, you know, this is it. There was no, we're bringing anybody else. We're interviewing candidates. It just, like you said, I think that they've given Davey kind of, um, you know, full rights to hire his staff around him the way he wants. And I guess in a rebuilding year, I'm, I'm not that shocked by that, that they've given him such freedom on the staff. But I also think if, if there's one place that they should have really carefully searched and gotten the absolute best available candidate would be the hitting coach. Um, I think that's probably the most important coaching position next to the manager. So, I mean, pitching coach, you could certainly argue too, but um, obviously we've got bigger pit. I think we had bigger pitching issues than offense issues, hitting issues going into this off season. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I take your point and I think it's a good one. It, it feels like they didn't do a thorough search from the outside looking in right so we'll see obviously he's our hitting coach now (laughs) so so we're we're gonna have to yeah maybe our maybe our concerns are unfounded hopefully we're wrong right and i know he was talking about how it was encouraging how the nats had the least amount of strikeouts in baseball which was shocking to me um when i heard that and you know he wants to make sure they're not swinging at pitches outside the zone and missing out on walks and stuff like that basically saying what you want to hear from, from a hitting coach, but I don't know. Obviously we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and, and, you know, see how this all plays out, but definitely a little bit of cause for concern, at least on on my end, maybe I'm uh, in the wrong for it, but we'll see. But at the very least, at least he wanted the job, which can't be the same for the Mets GM search. Because nobody wants that job. <laughs> Billy yeah. Bean dropped out today. Uh, they went after it was the Brewers' assistant GM. He didn't want it. Uh, Epstein was like, Theo. "No, thank you." Yeah, they went yeah. after Theo. That, that job is radioactive. <laughs> so, at the very least, someone wants to be a part of the Nets. Nobody wants to touch the Mets with the ten-foot pole. And it's not just like, and not trying to belittle hitting coaches. Hitting coaches, obviously, very valuable position. But this is a GM position of a major league franchise. There's only 30 of them. Like this is a very coveted position, like in in a vacuum, like it's a very coveted position and nobody, (laughs) nobody wants to go near it, which tells you everything you need to know about the state of the Mets. Like we have a a segment on our show dedicated to all of the failures and mishaps and just absurd, absurd happenings that go on within that organization. But the fact that they're like, oh, we're going to make it make a big splash and go after an Epstein, a Billy Bean, a Theo Epstein. That sounded weird if I don't qualify that. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> Theo Epstein or Billy Bean or like one of these obviously big name guys to run their franchise and, and write the ship. 
and nobody wants it. And they're going to be stuck <laughs> with someone who they're just kind of to shot, take a shot on, but because Sandy Alderson's still there, nothing's really going to change and Matt's going to met. But uh, mm-hmm. what are your guys thoughts on the latest news that the Mets just can't hire anyone they want? It's pretty remember last off season where all the rumors like then the Mets are going to sign this guy. They're going to sign right. this guy. And they had to sell it for like the B tier and C-tier Springer guys. Bauer, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Although they, they yeah, lucked, lucked out, out not getting Bauer. <laughs> right. um, but it's kind of like that, you know, that's the thing about when you play in New York and you have the richest owner in the sport, you have these high expectations that the media is going to play in. You know, the tabloids are all going to have the funny headlines and stuff on the back page, on the front page and everything that plays into it. So the Mets are probably going to hire someone, you know, who's not a big name, who's going to be a pretty good GM, a smart guy, but because he's not those big names, he's going to be like marked as a failure already, a bad hire and everything. And it's going to be pretty funny to watch just because, that's the way New York media is. They're brutal and they're really annoying and they just look for negatives and absolutely everything. But it's really, really funny and just really on brand for the Mets that they went after the top guys and they're like, yeah, no, I am not touching this. <laughs> Theo Epstein ended a 106-year drought in an 84-year drought and he does not want to touch the Mets. He's like, nope, I'm good. I, I, I can't fix that, which is <laughs> really funny. Yeah, like Theo Epstein, if anyone could do it, he could do it, but also he would be... Uh, all-time, greatest of all time, unquestionable GM, president, whatever you're, you want to qualify it as, qualify it as, if he could turn around the Mets. Like like you just said, Ryan, he ended the two longest droughts in, in baseball pretty quickly, one after the other. And if he were to do that with the Mets, I mean, this guy's a god, and he wants no part of it. It's probably best that Billy Bean didn't take the job offer just because – I feel like that would really hurt Billy Bean's brand if he took a big market team with a really big payroll and like ability to spend. I don't know. That just that doesn't fit his brand. So I'm pretty happy he didn't take that just because you know the whole moneyball thing. That'd be ruined if he went to New York Mets and a New York market that can afford a four hundred million dollar payroll. Right. Yeah. He would have to, you know, put a winner on the field. He couldn't just hide behind the payroll through his team's failures or anything like that. Do you think uh this is complete conjecture here, but do you think Billy Bean signing with the Mets uh, back when he was a player had anything to do with him not wanting to take it because he you mean he knows how much of a disaster they are. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. But I also think, you know, what you said about the media market, like it's a brutal media market. I, I don't know why anybody wants to play or work there. And they're also yeah. going to always be little brother to the Yankees. Always. always. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They've definitely got the little brother syndrome going on there. But uh, yeah, I I was highly amused to see that nobody will take the job. And I am super curious to find out who ultimately they get because they can spin it any way they want, but we're all going to know they settled for like their 12th choice Mm -hmm. and it will be hilarious. And I hope we get more insane antics from the Mets next year and every year following because their suffering is a source of great amusement and joy for me. Uh Oh, the Astros are coming back. (laughs) I highly doubt that. Well, it was nine nothing, and then Kyle Tucker just hit a three run home run. Oh, so, it's a little bit chip away, one at a time. Well, in this case, three at a time. I just but. saw somebody point out that the um, the starting rotation for the Astros has a twenty point four five ERA in this series so far. Is that good? 
<laughs> I can't stop laughing about it. It's oh, well, that's why I picked the yeah. the Red Sox because just no McCullers, even though he's not like top tier pitcher in baseball, it, it's a huge loss for that that rotation. So, not surprised if they're going to win, they're going to have outslugged the Red Sox, which seems impossible because the Red Sox have like four grand slams through two and a half games right now. So it, somebody, I don't know who it was. Cause I don't have the game on in the office where I'm, I'm sitting to record, but I saw another two run shot. I don't know who that was, but over the green monster. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Crazy. They're stuff. slugging their asses off right now. Yep. But back to the Mets, they will obviously continue their search. And uh, whenever, if ever they hire their GM, we will talk about it, but on to another search that we kind of highlighted uh, last episode when the news when it was announced. But Mike Chilt is reportedly going to uh, interview with the Padres, which that is, is kind of an interesting development. And I, I kind of see the fit because I, I don't think the Padres want to take a chance with a first time manager. And Mike Chilt has had success, but it just can't the, the problems that were there with St. Louis, right? Mike Chilt wanting to do things his way versus the script and the analytics of the Cardinals. Is that problem still going to be there with the Padres? Cause the Padres by all accounts are a very forward thinking team. Um, you know, is that still going to be there? That would be my only question, but on paper, it seems like it would fit Ryan, what you're going to say. It would just, it just it, it, like, I have a hard time putting this into words because that would be such a bad hire for the Padres the Padres are a very fun young exciting team that has heavily embraced analytics and you're going to hire a guy who in his own words said one of the reasons why he got fired is because he didn't want to embrace analytics like the Cardinals front office wanted to like that just makes no sense like why why set yourself back Mm -hmm. like you build a very good roster need some pitching on analytics and you're just going to hire someone like that. It just makes, it just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like I kind of see as the Tony LaRusso thing and like mm-hmm. the white Sox got boosted by playing in a atrocious division. And it kind of showed cause they got absolutely steamrolled by the Astros. Um, like, I don't know. I just, I don't see the fit and I think it'd be such a bad hire. Like I literally saw the tweet and I just went, huh? Like, it just, it made no sense, like what that organization stands for and how that organization built itself from perennial last place to having two $300 million contracts. It's going to say heavily embrace analytics. You set yourself back five years game, Mike Schilt. I don't get it. It's not my job to make those decisions, but I would heavily question if they hire him. Where do you think would be a good fit for him? Uh, a I team mean, that doesn't embrace analytics like the Washington Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Davey's going anywhere um, right now. <laughs> I'm just curious when they first announced his firing, I was, that was my immediate thought was like, where does he wind up? Are the, the Mets Padres a heavily, like a, yeah. he- heavily analytical team? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would say they did are. You, did you say the Mets? Yeah. Are they like middle of the pack? If that high, yeah. I could see them. I, don't, I mean, I, I I would assume there's going to be more openings or, or is the three we have the three we're going to get? I don't know. I mean, Joe Girardi was out of the game for a couple of years and he was still every year he was in those, you know, interview cycles for any openings that popped up and he eventually just picked the one he wanted. So Mike Schilt could do that if he wanted to, but the three teams, oh, obviously he's not going back to the Cardinals, but between the Mets and the Padres, those are still two appealing destinations, you know, for various reasons. 
if he wanted either one of those, or he could just wait till next year or the year after until something else pops up. I don't know. We'll see, but or, you know, to revisit our previous conversation, it would be interesting if he doesn't go to the Mets, then that, and he chooses to be out of baseball rather than go, go and manage the right. Mets that will again, tell Fair you point. everything you need to know. But back to the Padres, like, I guess they go the Cubs route and hire like a player manager, like a well-respected, I guess the Red Sox kind of did it too with Alex Cora. Like it's a first time manager, but it's a long time player who kind of caught the, maybe the tail end of the analytics movement. So they kind of know the value in it and, and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I it, You would have to do a deep dive of potential um, options. Who was, isn't there somewhat a former player in the pirates organization that everyone's kind of pointing to? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I cannot remember who that is. I, I'm going to know the name. Like it was, it's a very random player from like the two thousands, but he played long enough that people know his name. I actually find that whole player manager thing to be interesting. I think often it's the guys that played a long time or played in a lot of different organizations and have a really good feel for the game, but don't weren't necessarily superstars. You know, they weren't players that everybody might know as players, but you know, might make good managers. I, I don't know. I think it's not necessary for someone to have played, but for certain teams that are going to look for a, a team like the Padres with a young team, and you maybe want guys that are able to relate to them more Then obviously we've talked a lot about the La Russa thing in, in Chicago, but you know, whatever the opposite of that is, is the direction I would, I would kind of expect the Padres to go. Yeah. For a hundred fake dollars. Could you name the pirates manager? I could not. Because I had no clue. I, I got Ryan. Nothing. Ryan, do you know? Yeah, I'll Pirates take your Pirates? money. Derek Shelton. <laughs> did you just Google it? No, I did the franchise with the Pirates and MLB the okay, show. Okay. Right, ah, <laughs> I don't play MLB the show. I'm at a disadvantage. <laughs> I turned them into an absolute wagon. Can you do the Orioles? Buck Show Walter. Not anymore. <laughs> that would have been my no, one, no one cares about the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, the who? Brandon Hyde. Mm. never yeah you <laughs> could have held a gun to my head and you wouldn't have gotten that out of me <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh goodness well it will be interesting to see because there's such two very very different types of organizations the Padres and the Mets and of course the Cardinals and all of their Cardinal way crap and you know they have this this very specific sort of culture there that they're looking for so it's <laughs> said Cardinal way crap and it's like one of the most winning his franchise in all baseball. Well, I am just saying. <laughs> Point is there are just the the openings are extremely different. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they play out and you know what kinds of managers they go for. But I don't know. The Mets one is the most interesting to me. You know what I bet? I, I'm willing to put money on this. I don't know if there's a futures bet in this. Probably not. I bet you I, I would bet almost anything that the Mets try to go after Joe Torrey. Wow. That would be taking the little brother syndrome to a whole nother level, <laughs> but that would be such a Mets move, especially with the, there's like sort of precedent there with the Tony, Tony LaRusso stuff. I feel like that's a move there. Oh, Mets request permission to interview Joe Torrey or something like that. And then Joe Torrey turns them down. That would be pretty funny. That well, he would, would have to funny. leave his gig at the player association. I don't think he would want to. I know. I'm just saying, like, they would Can you imagine request t- leaving permission. that gig for the Mets gig? Yeah, I can't. 
right like theo would have had to had to have left his job with what the commissioner's office right yeah. where he is right now i think Something so like isn't he? yeah somewhere in the in the league structure but they they're yeah it's little brother syndrome but they have kind of that new york syndrome oh it's new york they need the big names they need the stars and when really you just need what works and that's kind of something they don't both, know what both that new is. york teams are kind of struggling <laughs> with right now but they, they just need what works. As you said, you would just decide to do what works instead of whatever it is. Yeah. If it was me, I would just simply do what works Yeah, and win. That's a, that's a good move. They should maybe hire you. I mean, uh, I would probably turn it down. It's not, not my, not my style. What, well, but, um, and uh, like on the flip side, at least Nats fans would root for me, you know? Yeah. They, they do inexplicably love to root for root division for rivals. division rivals. Exactly. That's <laughs> exactly where I was going with that. Uh, but speaking of struggling, one of the major struggles that has been going on for far too long and obviously has uh, been brought to the attention of the public and, and you know, general uh, baseball fan through the growth of social media and just other acts of awareness uh, is minor league housing. And it was announced a couple of days ago that beginning in 2022, MLB will provide housing for all minor leaguers. This is obviously a huge step. Uh, for not only the CBA, but obviously for the minor league, minor league, you know, journey as a whole, like this has been well-documented and you've heard some outlandish takes one being from Adam Eaton, that idiot um, about the minor league process and how grueling it is. You, you see all the horror stories from minor leaguers and kind of their living conditions. So this is a huge step. The players, the MLB players, that is, uh, really wanted to emphasize minor league player conditions and whatnot with this upcoming CBA. So this, again, is a, obviously a huge step. I know we're all on the same page here, but as far as the progress for the CBA and kind of uh, the attention, the appropriate attention given to the minor leagues, what's your uh, kind of expectations going forward? It's a first step in the right direction. This is right. absolutely massive. Like. One of the things I never understood is why they couldn't just build a dorm at literally every single stadium. Like it, it made right. no sense. Like just make like one bedroom dorms, but like, I mean like a, a apartment, but they have like their own cafeteria and the, everything. Like you guys know what I mean. The Cowboys, sorry to cut you off just really quick. Like uh, on hard knocks for anyone who watched hard knocks, the Cowboys at their practice facility, which I think is, or their um, not spring training, their preseason facility which i don't know if it's like in arizona or somewhere else in texas but the cowboys literally built like like ryan said like dorm housing for their players during cuts because obviously during preseason your rosters are a lot much larger than they are in season so they literally built dorms right next to the practice facility for everyone that to live in during the preseason so it, it's not like entirely uncommon yeah and there's still things that need to be worked out and they're going to be discussed over the off season. It is going to be effective next season, which is a absolute massive win. gone are the days of minor leaguers sleeping five people in a tiny studio apartment or trying to find host families. Those days are gone. They actually have a place to live and it'll be a comfortable place as well, which is huge. Um, they still need to talk about if the players are going to get a stipend to pay for it. Um, I mean, even if they get just like a stipend to help that, would be great 
Um, it'll be something that will be discussed throughout the offseason. Uh, something that has been discussed is the CBA and minor leaguers. The quote of the former 30-year-long MLBPA head lawyer is that we are not legally obligated to consider anything for minor leaguers. They kind of let them fight their own battle. One of the biggest wins in the CBA history was having 40-man roster players be MLBPA part of the organization so they can get health insurance and higher pay. I think we might see something like that. They're going to try to find a way to work something out so they can get a little bit higher money. Like the bottom, bottom, like 39 to 40th man, they make like a guaranteed like $50,000 a year and they get health insurance. That's a hell of a lot more than the non 40 man people are making in the minor leagues. So even they can get them that, and even like a guarantee of health insurance in this, in the new CBA, a absolute massive win because the lobbying that the league has done to be able to treat minor leaguers like this is absolutely atrocious. And this is a huge first step in undoing all the terrible things that this league has been doing for minor leaguers. Yeah. And it is only a first step, hopefully, because this is massive and it's not just about the living conditions, which are awful. I mean, it's been well-documented. We don't have to rehash all of that, but the thing that people don't consider too, it's not just saying, okay, well, they have to live in these crappy apartments and they don't have good food and all of that. But also like, if you make these guys go find their own housing, even if you give them a stipend or money for it, they go out and they have to find apartments and sign a lease. So what if they get called up to the next level or they get cut? And they're still obligated to these leases, right? These are legally binding documents that they've signed that they can't afford because they're not making enough money. And they may not even be able to, you know, stay in these, these places because the situation can change so quickly. So it just makes so much sense for them to have housing available to them through the league that when you're at this level, you're on this team, this is where you live. I think your idea, Ryan, about have have a cafeteria, just make it like a college dorm. Make it's, this isn't, the, the league makes so much money. These teams make so much money. This is not a big ask to treat your minor leaguers like they're the future of your franchise because they are. And they're human beings who deserve to have decent living conditions. <clears throat> the fact that they're allowed to be paid so little and treated so badly because of the lobbying that's happened over decades is just an absolute shameful mark on the league. And I feel the same way about the players association. I understand you're not legally obligated to fight for minor leaguers do it anyway, because it's the right thing to do. It's I I have fired up about this topic. (laughs) I mean, it's a good talk to be fired up about the thing I never understood is like, why not just dedicate literally it can be 1% of your multi-billion dollar organization that you own to making things better. Like you said, like they're the future of your franchise. Like, don't you think you want to have, you know, them actually getting food, having a way to get to their games, being comfortable, living good lives. So, you know, they could be better baseball players, you know, and want to be with the organization. Cause there was a lot of the organizations that were popping up that are helping minor leaguers. And a lot of them were like, not wanting to sign in the future with teams. Cause they knew how they treated their minor leaguers. And it got to a point where the league took notice. There's a lot of public pressure. There's a lot of noise and they acted. So keep up the pressure, keep up everything. Bullying works. Bullying freaking (laughs) works, man. I've been trying to tell y'all for years, normalize bullying because it works and keep up the pressure. So minor leaguers can finally get livable wages. Yeah. And if you can't do it because you can't be like these teams, if they can't do it because just to be decent human beings and to treat 
these human beings with some dignity, do it because they're probably going to be more successful more quickly with better living conditions, better nutrition, all of those things. Like they're going to get to the major leagues faster and be better players more quickly if you do this. So if you must have a pragmatic reason to do it, there's that too. But it's just absolutely I mean, if you've never, any of you listening, if you've never read up on some of the stories about the conditions these guys live in, and I hate these arguments people make about like, oh, just suck it up. It's the way there is no other way to the major leagues. You're basically telling these guys either if you want to live out this dream, you have to live through this absolutely awful situation for potentially years, sometimes a decade. You see guys who are in the minor leagues for eight, nine, 10 years before they make it to the majors if they do it all. It's not it's not fair. It's not, you know, a a rite of passage. It's not any of that. It's abusive and it's ridiculous. And these teams have gazillions of dollars, more money than any of us could even imagine. They can pay a damn livable wage to these guys and give them a place to live. It's the literally the least they can do. Yeah. It's like you both said, it's completely feasible for every single owner in baseball to do this and not blink. Like it, I understand it's a business. They, you know, the bottom dollar is important to them, all that crap. They try to, you know, argue with, but this is completely feasible. And like both of you said, it's probably going to result in better talent because they're actually like normal human beings and not suffering and starving and, and some miserable. Of them probably quit, right? Like how many guys just sure. quit because it's so miserable who might've been great players for your team and they never get there because you made it so miserable. They didn't want to do it. Right. Cause like we've outlined before with, you know, the MLB draft and whatnot and Brady house being an example, like e- even the top, top prospects are four, five years away from ever reaching the major leagues, maybe even longer. So even the best of the best have to go through the minor leagues to even get to the major leagues. So it, it's not like it's only a, a small population, every single one, Every single player ever has to go through this and there's no reason it should be as bad as it is, but hopefully this is a step in the right direction and doesn't just stop here. You know, they get, you know, livable wages too, and not the $600 a month or whatever they were getting before. Like, it's just absurd. And I wonder how many guys too might not choose baseball if they have other options. Like if they're, you know, multi-sport athletes who just go, eh. Baseball sucks as like an option. And obviously I'm heavily baseball biased, but like Kyler Murray's probably a very extreme example Mm -hmm. because he was the number one pick in the NFL draft, but he was like the number six pick in the MLB draft. And he signed with the A's for like, I think it was $8.2 million. So still very solid and chose football. Granted, again, extreme example, because there's tons of money to be, made in football, especially number one pick, quarterback of all positions, whatnot. So I understand why he did what he did. But even if you go down further, there's no no such thing as like a full ride scholarship for baseball. Like they they kind of craft, you know, like a a team, right? Most teams get maybe eight scholarships, but their full teams are like, you know, 35, maybe even more than that. Uh, of players so eight scholarships for 35 36 players like some teams you know give partial scholarships or some teams only you know it's just crazy how systemic top to bottom 
baseball is just like deterring talent towards other sports. Just, it makes no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense in so many ways, but I, I think the, the upshot of this is this is a fabulous, it's fabulous news. It's a fantastic first step. Hopefully it's not the end. This is just the beginning of changes that are going to be made. And I hope all of these exceptions that major league baseball has managed to get, you know, legislatively put in place to exempt them from the same rules. Every other employer has to, has to have um, are the next thing to go. They just, you, you know, asking, nobody's asking for special treatment, just follow the same laws. everybody else has to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Treat these guys like any other human being should be treated by any other employer. And that is not a lot to ask. Right. Well, speaking of it not being the end and hopefully a step in the right direction, MLB in talks to launch nation, nationwide streaming service for home games without yeah. cable t- TV as soon or as early as 2023. There's n- literally not any more news than that. That's all that really came out today, but they are in talks. Uh, put as much stock or faith in that as you will, but pretty, pretty great. Yeah. There mm-hmm. might be a world where blackouts aren't a thing anymore, which isn't apparently as obvious as it would seem that you don't black out the local game. <laughs> like it just, uh, I mean, I don't even know yeah. how we got it to this seems point. Simple. Like how, how <laughs> the hell did we get to this point? Like that whole- was actually, that was actually <laughs> One of the smartest things cable companies did is when they noticed everyone was going to streaming, they made these deals to make it hard for people to stream sports. So not as many people cut cable. Absolutely brilliant move on their yeah. behalf. On their part, but, yeah, but on baseball's part, makes no sense. Yeah, I, I mean, will, I will I mean, cut when, cable the second I can stream games. The only reason I have cable TV is because I need massive. It's like, the only reason. Yeah, it's, it like doesn't make too much sense for growing the game, but like, when Turner Sports is like, hey, we'll give you $10 billion to play right. games. Money talks. Yeah, but this is really great. Um, rumor prices are going to be anywhere from $10 to $20 a month to watch all of your team's home games. Deal. NHL and the NBA is also trying right. to partner up with MLB for this. So there's going to be some pretty big stats for multiple store- sports to have easy streaming services. So this is a really big step, especially people who live in the fake state of Iowa who are blocked out from like seven <laughs> different teams. They're going to be pretty happy about that. I read a thing that people that in Hawaii suck. are blacked out from games. I'm like, where what, yeah, what but are like, you blacking out? Like, you, if I lived literally in, in the middle of an ocean. Yeah, but like, if I lived in Hawaii, I would watch sports. <laughs> Get, uh, <laughs> like, you can only look at the gorgeous ocean for so how, long. You know, how you terrible, how terrible to the people of Iowa that has no major city. And it's like, you can't watch any team like no team like the one game you get a year is the field of dreams game and that's it (laughs) yeah like one game a year the rockies the royals the cubs the cardinals the white Sox, and then like one or two other more teams are like blocked out from like yeah brewers from all those people who live in like kansas iowa like those states jeez well hopefully you know this comes to fruition sooner sooner rather than later yeah Maybe, you know, maybe we're getting somewhere. The CBA is going to hopefully bring about a lot of change that we've been waiting to see for some time. So uh, we'll be we'll waiting see. to see baseball, too, when there's a lockout. But well, that, too, because we are on a midnight train to a lockout, as a wise man once said. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> that wise man was Ryan. Choo-choo. But speaking you know what of what else being- wise men do. 
<laughs> that was literally my transition. I couldn't resist. It was just right. Let, me do, what Let me do what I'm going to do. Damn. <laughs> Speaking of what wise men do, as I was saying, Manscaped. Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your ball- balls with anything other than Manscaped. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go f- <laughs> go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping. That's pretty good ad reads. <laughs> Uh, using our promo code HSHH20, you'll get 20% off and free shipping off your entire order. No exclusions, no gimmicks, no nothing. 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. Uh, oh, I had to mute myself during that one. <laughs> that, that, I, I didn't know where I was going with that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> That's what happens when you read the copy without on live without ever having read it before. <laughs> well, it's that Halloween copy. We're like two weeks away from Halloween. I was like, all right, cool. We'll do a Halloween copy. But uh, have you ever tried to trim your balls and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film? God, I hope not. That's that's terrifying. Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash. Fellas, the ladies love their signature scent and it will scare away those vampires. Uh, Okay. Um, I'm actually pretty excited for the body wash. I use their cologne. I like their cologne a lot. Smells really nice. And the signature scent is chef's kiss. So uh, pretty excited for this body wash. I'm going to have to take that for a spin. But you can get this and the Performance Package 4.0, the Lawnmower 4.0, and any any anything else you desire from Manscaped using our promo code HSHH20. Again, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. So go to manscaped.com and do that. Use our promo code and help us help you help us. All right, guys. Are you ready for the return? I was born ready. For the return. Well, you were born a long time ago, so you've been waiting for a long time. Well, and ready. Also. (laughs) And I don't ever make fun of your youth and inexperience, so pipe down over there. (laughs) Well, I'm still young and have my whole life ahead of me. Um, That was... Hey, that was a that was a shot. I, I yeah, I was gonna say, God, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are also too old to know that that was that, a Ronald Reagan reference. That, that, that was that I just used. So, anyways, this weather happened. That's not what I meant. Oh God! Wow, that's cool. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just gonna wash my hands of this. Who did that? Who? I don't even know what you're talking. Who? About. Who washed your hands of this crime or whatever? Uh. Julius Caesar. About? Was it no. Caesar? No. It was Ma- Lady Macbeth. Bridget. Is that the reference you're making? I don't know. Lady That's why I'm asking. Bridget spot. Jones. Monty. <sighs> it's Lady Macbeth if it's the out damn spot with the bloody hands. No. Not... All right. I don't know what you're. Oh, no, no. Wasn't the, it was, wasn't it the uh, person from the Bible that. Uh, Nicholas Sparks. We are getting way <laughs> off topic. Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> we are getting way off topic. Wow. Raining it in. Bring yeah. it back to baseball. Anyways, baseball. anyways baseball. we are bringing back Twitter questions. It's been a long time. Yay. Uh, someone's going to be questioning this show right about now, but uh, <laughs> we're bringing back Twitter questions and we got a ton of them. So appreciate you guys uh, helping us out, talking to us, engaging with us. Uh, the first one is from at NC. Do you think Davey 
Do you all think Davies on the hot seat entering 2022 or will it be later in the year? No, no to both. I don't yeah. think there's any hot seat to be had this year. It's a rebuild. I mean, they've, they've got a guy who's a good players manager. Why would they, why would they switch it up in the middle of a rebuild? That doesn't make any sense to me. Actually they're beginning a rebuild. That's the perfect time to switch it up. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think so. The expectations are literally on the floor right now. I don't think and they're going to mix it up. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to ride with Davey for a while. So yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a possibility that this time next year, once the season is over and the Nets inevitably don't make the playoffs that Davey entering the final year is contract. They just decide to move on, avoid a lame duck situation and maybe find someone else. Like possibly, I don't necessarily expect that, but I think if they were to move on, it would be after the season. I don't think there will be a hot seat situation during the season. Yeah, maybe next year. I can right. see it. Because for someone year. to be on the hot seat, there has to be expectation versus reality, like a, a very disparaging difference. And the expectations for the Nets are not going to be high enough for there ever to be a hot seat and to ever be disappointed by reality. So that's uh, just kind of my two cents. Um, next one at... Juan Soto home run, who's Allison, who's one of our writers, who, by the way, has a phenomenal article coming out tomorrow. It's fun. I enjoyed it. We all kind of like, you'll you'll understand, you'll understand tomorrow, but we all tested it out today, had a blast in our group chat, just, you know, making fun of, of not like it but each other you'll you'll understand you'll understand tomorrow so be on the lookout for that it's something we've never done before credit to allison and and monty for putting it together it's phenomenal so i can't wait for you guys to see it it's a slight plug but she asks thought on the state of this year's postseason where most starting pitchers are barely going five innings and -hmm. thoughts on the sort of bullpen strategy the dodgers have been kind of employing so that starting pitcher is not going very far is not a recent trend. They're um, holding Max back, Ryan. They are holding oh Max back. <laughs> not was... using him enough or something I saw on there today. People oh, my him. God. He really was like, why would he go back there if they're not using him? He's pitched four times in 12 days. I'm like, what? They they 12 times in so 12 much. days. <laughs> they're holding God. him back. Anyways. Anyways. So we've seen for a while, though the trend of heavy use of bullpens and playoffs, right? That is not a new trend as more teams are investing in their relievers. More teams are getting more quality guys in the back of the bullpen. Teams are doing this. The first team that really did that was the Royals who had their three headed monster who did not lose a single game in the postseason when they pitched Teams have been copying that formula for a while. They're realizing later in the game, it's a lot better to have someone fresh facing someone for the first time than having a tired starting pitcher, you know, face the line for the third time. Teams are also realizing that if you have your starting pitcher go about five or six innings, you can have them pitch more. They can come out of relief, kind of like we are seeing. And that's why we're seeing more relievers coming in. Teams are going more matchup based and that's coming from analytics. And for the most part, it's working. Unless you're the Astros and... You know, you're getting blown out and giving up three grand slams in a series, which has never happened before. And that's why we're seeing that more teams are investing in their bullpens to get the matchups that the analytics want. So when it comes to Dave Roberts, the only mistake he made was not going to Kenley Jansen to start the ninth. Going to Urias and that point was fine. 
He's pretty good against lefties. The only thing I didn't like about that is that it made Ozzy Albies hit as a righty. I would have gone with a right-handed pitcher to face the lefty, so Albies has to hit lefty because Albies absolutely mashes as a righty. That was his only mistake. If it worked out, people were talking about how much of a genius it is. It just didn't happen to work out. But the main issue with the Dodgers is they're two for 18 with runners in scoring position in two games. That's their issue, not the pitching moves that Dave Roberts has been making because even though their offense is struggling, their pitching has been very, very good. Um, they pitched a bullpen game and struck out the Braves like 16 times. It's just they're not hanging with runners in scoring position, which is making the pitching moves that Dave Roberts makes be a little bit louder. Is Darnell Cole their hitting uh, coach? <laughs> it's Cole. Um, it's actually so it's it's actually funny because the Dodgers hitting coach right now they were both in Arizona together. Uh, talks um, me everything I need to know. The Dodgers hitting coach was the assistant at the time, and the he manager. Yeah, he's just got a little bit better gig than Darnell Cole's has <laughs> right now. <laughs> just, just just slightly. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, I actually think you, you kind of nailed it there, Ryan, with the, um, I think that managers want the flexibility of being able to bring their starters in, in relief. We've been seeing that in postseason play a lot more in recent years. And I think having them go shorter, you know, just having them on a really tight leash in their starts allows you to go to them on short rest if you need to, or go to them out of the bullpen in, in dire situations. And, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I, personally love to see a starter go deep into a game. And I think that's the opposite strategy is let your starters go as deep as you possibly can and rely on your offense. You know, if they give up a few runs, you let them stay in so that you're saving your bullpen for when you truly need them in there fresh. But um, it just seems like a lot of starters are giving up a lot of runs right now. Um, So it's interesting to see. I think we're probably going to continue to see more of it because when it works, that's what, you know, everybody, everybody emulates, what they see other teams doing successfully. So I don't personally enjoy it so much. I like, I don't like to see bullpen games in the, in the postseason. I don't like, I don't know. I, you know me, I'm more of a purist, but I love to see starters go deep. And and I think that eventually the pendulum will probably swing back the other way. But for right now, I expect we're going to see a lot more of what we've been seeing. Do you think, well, it's probably a very simple answer, but Davey would 100% benefit from like a script given to him for a bullpen, right? I mean, wouldn't everybody if you just been like, here's the here's the instruction. <laughs> well, well, that's manual. the thing because uh, um, who was trying the, to say that the Yankees and Rays yeah. were at a disadvantage because they had a script for the bullpen game or something? I can't remember that, but the Dodgers pitching usage through the series has 110% been scripted. Like they have been able to stick to their plan A for most of the part. It's just their plan a is falling apart in the ninth inning um so like doing a script like it's not new and that's when the entire coaching staff and people from the front office sit down and they literally just look at all the matchups and they'll go inning by inning and be like all right this guy's gonna throw this many pitches this guy's gonna throw this many pitches and then we'll bring him in for this it's not anything new like a lot of teams do that you know, but the problem is you have to have a plan B, you have to have a plan C and you have to have a plan D when things do go wrong. Like football teams script, like the first 15 plays of a game. Um, it's not anything new, but I, I can't remember who said that about the Yankees and race. Yeah. Like I, 
uh, obviously it's nothing new. It's just how often do they use it? Like the teams that do it, right? Do they do it every single game throughout the regular season? Are there certain series where they're just like, all right, let's just kind of play it by year and, and see how it shakes out. Like, I, I get the script and obviously uh, I'm a huge advocate of analytics and, you know, playing the matchups and doing your research and your homework and all that stuff. But at the same time, you you have to have some sort of feel for how the game is flowing because you can script it out all you want, but how often does it really go according to the script? I can't imagine all that often, mm-hmm. like maybe 90% at best, maybe, you know, 75% on average or something like that. Because obviously there's a lot of tape to go through that you can use as your, you know, reference for creating these scripts. But like you, you have to allow that room, like Ryan was saying, have these backup plans. Like what if someone's just dominating? Like what if your pitcher who you thought could only get you through four, like it, it's just cruising and, you know, he could easily go seven, but you pull him after four because that's historically what he's done. Like I think back to, to Zach Grinke in the World Series, granted much mm-hmm. different stage. But that outcome, I, I have to imagine, is probably different if Zach Grinke stays in that game for like one more batter. I, or if I, they I, go to Garrett Cole. Or if they go to Garrett Cole. Like it, it just, I, I, I don't know that that was scripted. So that may not be the best example, but I, I just don't think an entire script is the best thing. But I also think that an entire having a play game it by plan, ear is the best right. either. I think a game plan is better than a script. Like have a game plan for how you want things to go, but you have to go with the ebb and flow of the game. And, you know, sometimes when you see guys get pulled and you're like, what the hell are they doing? I think they probably are working from a script. And I don't know. Sometimes I feel like you screw up a game by overmanaging it more than undermanaging it. And I think that's more true in the postseason than in the regular season, because managers get in their own heads about like, Mm -hmm. if I leave this guy out here for one more batter or one more inning and it goes bad, you know, I'm the bad guy. And then they just pull them, even though maybe the right move would have been to let them get through that one more inning and, and save your bullpen. Or, you know, sometimes you might have a starter who's doing okay, but starting to struggle and batters aren't really seeing him very well. And you bring in a bullpen guy and they tee off on him. You know, you just, sometimes I, I think I see a lot more overmanaging in the, in the playoffs than Nick, you, you brought up a good point about what if you're dominating the Red Sox use Tanner Houck in very interesting ways. Mm-hmm they don't care if that man's throwing a no hitter through four innings, they will take him out at a certain pitch out pitch count every single game. And he's been incredibly effective and been able to pitch a lot because of that. That's one of the, one of the few examples that I could think of because the Red Sox will start him, throw him in a relief. They don't care how well he's pitching. They will take that man out as soon as he gets to his pitch count. It's really interesting because how well it works for him. Granted, it doesn't work for everyone. It just works very well for Tanner Houck. Yeah, like in that scenario, you know, tap him at a pitch count so he's available more often. Like in Max Scherzer's case, not only is he 37, 38 years old, but he's legitimately starting going seven innings, like 110 pitches one game, and then coming back two days later for a save and then starting another game. Like that's not, there's no game plan there. That's just like, oh, Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers on the planet. Let's throw him, which, you know, isn't the worst idea, but there also is no like, um, you know, preconceived thought or game plan going into that, you know, five game stretch or however long it was. Whereas Tanner Houck, they clearly, like Ryan said, have a very specific plan for him and his usage. So he's available 
as frequently as they need him, whether it's starting games or coming into relief. Uh, so, but that kind of goes to my point, like have, have a, a plan, but not necessarily a script. Cause like it, a pitch count in my mind, isn't a script. A script is he, fa- he goes three innings or faces X amount of batters, like a pitch count, you know, 60 pitches could get you through two innings if you're Patrick Corbin or, you know, six innings if you're very effective pitching to contact. So it's just like you you kind of just go with ebbs and flows, like Amanda said. But it's a very interesting and fascinating conversation. Obviously, playoffs are obviously when everything's on the line and everything matters most. So you kind of see these strategies and perhaps overmanaging, like Amanda said, come out. The Dodgers seem to be one of the teams that have been very – uh, peculiar with some of the choices they d- decide to make. They have a lot of options to play with. So uh, I guess when you have more chess pieces to maneuver, you you can maneuver them. So we'll see how they respond the rest of the series and in pursuit of uh, NL pennant. Um, moving on. This is from reverse uh, at reverse. Any thoughts on Will Smith getting revenge on Will Smith last night after Will Smith beat Will Smith last year? That was such a great matchup. The Will Smith on Will Smith versus the Will Smith on the Will Smith. I, I Will heard Smith. Will Smith won. Will Smith did win, and it was absolutely electrifying how well Will Pretty Smith upsetting did for Will Smith. Smith. Yeah. It was. Will bad, Smith on Will Smith. Bad silence. break for Will that Smith. Was, yeah. yeah. What more can you say about that topic? Will Smith. I mean, <laughs> I don't I just don't know if Will Smith's gonna recover. But granted, like Will Smith got the better of Will Smith last year. But I mean, if you're Will Smith, it's gonna be tough to know that. You lost to Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. But at one lovely lady C asks thoughts on the new hitting coach. We kind of went over that, but uh, just a simple better worse for as far as hitting. Do you think it's going to be better in 2022 versus 2021 or worse? Mm, I'm going to call it a push. I don't know. So, I don't expect well, that's it an to change much. That's, that's tough because like there's a chance to line up as bare freaking bones but right. I think he will be better for the young guys than Kevin Long was. I agree. I do think the fact that it sounded like he was going to employ different strategies for different hitters will be more staff because, too. Was going to make yeah, more staff difference. would be bit would be big. And um, I don't know if he's more individualized in his approach with each hitter. I think that will be an improvement. I, it seems like Kevin Long was all launch angle all day with every hitter, and that just didn't seem to work for everyone. <laughs> Looking at you, Victor Robles. Yeah. Oh man, that was hilarious. I know that was a little bit of uh unnecessary. Yeah, we talked about shade it being thrown. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I was wrong. Last episode. Eh. I mean, I keep thinking of that that uh meme of Marge Simpson going, it's true, but he shouldn't say it. Like that's it's true about a lot of things. It's say. true. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right. At NMB Baby Watch. Oh my. Uh says, <laughs> How about them Braves? Hey, look, all I want to say is before the series, I said the Braves starting pitching gave them a chance you were to potentially win this series. I'm you're, just saying. You're a prognosticator. And look, both both teams have pitched very, very well. The Braves pitching has been bend, don't break. Like they are been phenomenal with runners in scoring position. And they're they keeping have them in. Bend phenomenal. They oh, have been phenomenal. <laughs> um, and like, it's putting the Braves in the spot where 
they have done a fantastic job at taking advantage of the only mistakes the Dodgers are making. The Dodgers have not been taking advantage of the mistakes the Braves are making because the Braves have made quite a few mistakes, but they haven't taken advantage of them yet. And the Dodgers have maybe t- made two or three mistakes and the Braves have taken advantage of it. And that's why they're up two and oh. And game two was absolutely vital for the Braves to win because if the Braves lost that game, it wasn't coming back to Atlanta. If that series was tied going to LA with Bueller, then Urias on the mound, it was done. That series was not going to Atlanta getting yet another walk-off and the Dodgers lost a very winnable game. It adds a little bit more pressure to a team that won 20 more games than you. The Braves are playing with house money. They won the worst division in baseball. No one thought they're going to be here. They just walked off the best team in baseball twice. They're playing with house money. They're loose. They got momentum. The Dodgers are going to have to start pressing. Granted, they did this last year, and the Dodgers are really freaking good, and we saw what can happen. But all, if they, they just have to win one on the road. If they win one on the road, they can get free to game six at home. Yeah, game six at home, that's good odds. But it's been pretty interesting. Um, I just feel like knowing the Braves, they're going to do what they always do and just find a way to absolutely collapse. Probably. We can only hope. I'm not, uh, my answer to how about them Braves is meh. Uh, meh. I'm not putting too much, I'm not putting too much energy into the Braves. I want them to lose. They're in so our you're, Yeah, so you're not rooting for them? I am not rooting for them. <laughs> All right. I am very much not. And I just don't understand for the how record. anyone can. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. There are some very nice Braves fans on Twitter. Some of them are awful and there are some very nice Most. ones and happy for you if it all happens, but yeah, I can't do it. Nope. Wishing I'm all the bad juju on the Braves. Yeah. A couple of uh, rule questions. First one being from at Soto shuffle shuffle being S H F L E. Will will there be a universal DH next season and will they end the extra man on base <clears throat> and extra innings rule? So universal DH. Yes. I think they will get rid of the uh, runner on second base. The players like it. I think it's exciting, but that will be the concession the players make to get universal DH. I wish it yeah. was like starting in the 11th or 12th or something. I don't want it gone completely, but I understand if it, I would sacrifice it. I would concede it for the universal DH as well. So I am pro player on this. Mm-hmm. Um Next one from, oh, sorry, Amanda. Oh, what were you going to say? I don't get to answer. F the DH. <laughs> that's my first answer. Probably yes, but no. F so the you H. don't get to answer. Uh, the yeah, next one and, at uh... the Rally Mullet uh, <laughs> says pitching clock next season after the CBA gets passed. Question mark. Eh. I, I think, think so. that will become mandatory in all minor leagues, not up at the big leagues. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine that ever becoming a thing. Pitchers are too spoiled to allow that to happen. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I just keep laughing at baseball harping over and over again on game length. Like all these postseason games are four freaking hours. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I Pitch clocks to me are, are kind of a stupid way to do it. I think if you wanted to do anything, you could tell batters not to get out of the box and adjust their gloves between every single pitch. That would probably save a lot of time. Yeah. You could, you would have to be like, Oh, you can only call timeout one time during an at-bat or something i don't know yeah or you or have like to stay as a box. team like you can only call it like four times during i don't know but yeah there's just no need but um next one from at bonifacio mac says after being like oh, a third base coach what will be the best suitable suitable job for bob henley in the nets organization um pump up man trying to think of something nice to say right now <laughs> i mean I don't know. Mailman. 
because he's good at sending stuff. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Did there. Yeah, I got uh-huh. nothing. I got nothing. If he weren't in the Nats organization anymore, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. I'll just put it that way. But they said that they're going to transition him, right? Yeah, to player development. I'm like, okay. Because a third base coach is somehow qualified for player development. That's the thing that kills me about a lot of the things the Nats do. It's like just, or a lot of Nats fans who call for ex players all the time to be like, let's make him the bench coach. Let's make him this. Let's make him that. How about we hire coaches? How about coaches who have a track record and are good at their jobs instead of just people who once played for the team? Don't get this impulse. Right. Last one from at Nats post. Uh, What should he have for dinner tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Hey post. Um, Thanks for being such a great listener and a great heater. Um, it's your buddy Shaq here. Hey, Post, how you doing? Um, you should treat yourself to a nice Chili's dinner. Get takeout. Maybe get the two for 20 deal or get yourself the triple dipper. Everyone loves a triple dipper, but get my personal favorite, the buffalo chicken sandwich with a side of fries and get yourself some chips and salsa with that. Absolutely delicious. And get a beer. Just treat mm. yourself, Post. You deserve a beer. Everyone should get Chili's. Good advice if you're going out. If you're going to stay home, it's soup weather. It was oh, chilly today. Oh, hold on, time. Amanda. Hold on, Amanda. <laughs> 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 but you can get chilies delivered to you. <laughs> oh, I see. Exactly. You can still get that. I it should have soup. qualified my statement. If you're cooking, it is soup weather. It's it's almost chilly season, which I am very excited about. It's a little uh, chilly outside. Cat. You didn't even get ah, a joke because you were so busy. I, no, no, no. Interrupting. I, I ignored it. <laughs> I got it, but I, I ignored it. It was cold this morning. I liked it, but it was cold. It's almost Sunday chill, eating chili, watching football on oh, the winter. Greatest thing in the world. It the is cat fantastic. declared it chili season. So it's kind of my like kids actually went outside to play shadow. after dinner tonight and had to come back in for sweatshirts and shoes. That's how, you know, the weather is changing because it's getting a little cold. Out Re- real fall is finally here. No more fake fall. It's real fall. You're hearing it here first. I declared it. I'm not I'm not Doug Cameron on I'm not your guy you know I'm not top or shot I'm not the goat but I'm declaring capital city forecast or whatever I'm not I'm not cap city forecast but Shaq is declaring fall is here I'm on your side what do you call that the equinox is that Uh, the equinox was that's first day of fall a couple weeks the next one's gonna be like December right but this is the equinox Ryan just declared it I I did I do declare so the Shaq equinox just, just happened. The Shaq equinox? Is, is Shaq a believer in daylight savings time or no? Daylight savings is so stupid. You don't like, <laughs> it is the dumbest. And you know what? It's the, not, the, it's the not most the 1600s, like 1600s anymore. <laughs> you know the most absurd thing that I found out? Apparently Arizona doesn't change at all. Yeah, like, Arizona oh, outlawed it. <laughs> Do you know what else? When I was stationed in Korea, like way back, I don't know when this was. Like I'm not even going to say when it was because you'll make fun of me. But when I was there, Back I realized in 1972. I was I was Columbus 18, right? I went over there. Blue. I've never been out of the country before. I'm 18 years old. I go over there, realize they don't do daylight savings time. So half the year I'm over there, it's like 12 hour time difference, and the other half it's a 13 hour time difference. It's the first time I realized the rest of the world doesn't participate in this idiocy. So yeah, it's uh, it's dumb. Daylight Hold savings on, fall- time is dumb. Fall back is absolutely incredible because that extra hour of sleep is divine. But like spring overall, forward is not worth it. <laughs> no, spring, spring forward is an absolute just crime against humanity. But um, yeah, out, outlaw it. That's that's my platform. Vote Shaq and I will outlaw. Stealing <laughs> Stealing Stealing Stealing. I would vote for you on this issue alone, except I know you'd institute the DH. So I can't what, give you what's, my your, vote. what's your opinion on uh, foreign policy? 
outlaw. No, but daylight, daylight savings, savings. Sucks. sucks. <laughs> On November second, when you go to the polls, Virginia, in other put shack. <laughs> Don't don't actually do that. This They'll know it. what you mean. Please don't yeah, actually yeah. do that. It, 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 just, just matter. Just, just Shaq, like singular name, like Beyonce or like Eminem. Cher, right? Cher, <laughs> Madonna. Right. They're gonna they're gonna do an exit poll. It's gonna be like thirty percent voters to said, take it back to YouTube. <laughs> to take it all all full circle. Yeah. It's gonna be like thirty five percent of voters said daylight savings was the most important that mattered to them. And like, <laughs> where did this come from? What the hell? Yeah. Oh god, we have a problem. We just created a problem. People, <laughs> people are gonna start voting Shaq, and no one's gonna know who Shaq is. Google right. National Shaq. Oh god. All right, that's it for Twitter questions. But as we wrap uh, on uh, this episode, <laughs> do you guys guys got uh, one big thing to take a home? Ask that's not daylight savings <laughs> time related. Ask not what you can do for Shaq. Ask what Shaq can do for you. Apparently canceled daylight savings. (laughs) Yeah, apparently so. So if you could also get rid of Groundhog Day, that would be, that might be enough. What's wrong with Groundhog Day? I just, I I find the idea of a rodent determining how much winter we're going to have very unfair. And he's often, you know, even on the the years when he says we're not going to have any more winter, we still do. He's a liar. He can't be trusted. And uh, I would like to see Groundhog Day abolished. So see what so, you can do about that, Shaq. What, what did he ever do to you? <laughs> Ryan's anti-daylight savings time and Amanda's anti-rodent. Uh, uh, <laughs> I actually have two guinea pigs. I'm not against Aman- all rodents. Amanda's not find, wrong. Groundhog's I just so found Pucks Tawny Phil to be a charlatan and I don't okay. think he should have his own holiday is all I'm saying. So when Amanda's, when Amanda's governor, she's going to beat up bill murray for making governors day, uh sorry groundhog day uh god i love holidays, that movie. what she's saying no 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 i love that movie and bill murray is a god among men he is i love bill murray but puxatani phil himself is is he's not to be trusted <laughs> Just what a weird trigger <laughs> <laughs> so that's my one big thing f you puxatani phil that's my Feel anyway like I feel like I have to stand for something or otherwise I'm going to fall for <laughs> no, what's everything. Your, what's your position um, on some yeah. obscure issue, Nick? <laughs> I didn't know we were preparing platforms today. <laughs> like uh, if I, if I had known, I would have, would have come better prepared. Um, I don't know. I, I guess to- it could be about baseball if you want. But now I can't, I feel like that that's kind of a letdown. Um, <laughs> do I hate a holiday? Uh, are there any other more hateable holidays? I feel like I, I took the, the ones. Have you seen Groundhog Day? Have you seen Veep? Yes. No, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> oh, there is, God, I've been watch watching it. Succession. There's this one guy in it who is just an absolute wacko, but he launches the whole campaign against math teachers. It's really <laughs> funny. So that should be your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-math teacher. <laughs> Oh, I love God. it. No, the episode, you would love the episode where they take her to a baseball game and, and the uh, assistant is trying to explain to her who everybody is. And she's like, and who's that? He's a starting pitcher. And who's and that? You know he's a starting pitcher. You know she's who's like, you there? don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, They're all pitchers? Yeah. You know They're who's there? Not- Jake Arrieta. I forgot he played himself in that, didn't he? I haven't mm-hmm. seen it in years. But I've always loved that episode. Anyway, you'll love Veep. You really need to watch it. I got nothing. I I can't think of a holiday. All right. 
Well, we'll have to. Well, That's there you go. All of you listening, you're going to have to. I guess I'll just I'll be the swing boat. <laughs> I'll be the be swing boat. I guess I'll, I'll vote for either Ryan or Amanda, depending on what I, what I prefer to outlaw Groundhog Day or. <laughs> oh God, Groundhog Day. It's come to this. So <laughs> absurd. Such an absurd <laughs> thing to to get angry over. How did we get here? I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, we've been asking ourselves that the, the entire episode. How, how did we get here? But um, while you're here, be sure to follow us. Uh, follow the show at Half Street High Heat and check out HalfStreetHighHeat.com. Again, check out Allison's uh, article coming out tomorrow. It's lots of fun. You guys will enjoy it. It's, it's going to be worth your time. So be sure to check that out tomorrow. Or if you're listening to it, it's today so go check out our site at halfstreethighheat.com uh follow the show again at half street high heat follow amanda at a white 7877 ryan at we are all shack and myself at nationals ace we appreciate you listening and in the meantime uh go anyone not the go baseball go baseball there's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.